Welcome to the Yahoo Finance Podcast. I'm Alexis Christophorus. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts so that you don't miss an episode. Red Lobster turns 50 years old this month, and here to tell us what's on the menu for the restaurant chain's future is CEO Kim Loptrup. It's great to have you here, Kim. Great to be here. Thank you for having me, Alexis. So it's been four years since the parent of Olive Garden, Darden Restaurant, sold Red Lobster to the private equity firm Golden Gate Capital. At the time, I know that sales were on the decline. Tell us how business has been since the sale. Well, as a private company, we don't want to get in the habit of releasing quarterly earnings. But what what I'll say is that uh, over the last uh, two fiscal years, we've grown EBITDA at double-digit pace. And we've done that while making huge investments to set ourselves up for uh, strong growth in our second half century as, as, a, as a company. The four primary areas we're focused on are continuing to grow our share of the seafood market, opening new units, developing our off-premise business, and giving uh, our guests new ways to use us so they can come more often. How big of a market share does Red Lobster have in your space? Actually, we have almost half of the casual dining seafood market, which is the highest share of segment that any restaurant brand has in any segment. And you also have uh, tremendous uh, brand, I guess, recognition uh, and internationally. We, we do. You know, in, in the U.S., we have about 99% awareness. And uh, we're internationally, it's quite surprising how, how well-known Red Lobster is around the world. Um, talk to me about the restaurant's image. Uh, I remember as a kid going to Red Lobster stores and thinking it, uh, restaurants and thinking it was a wonderful dining night out with my family, and I love seafood, so it was really a big deal. But do you think that in the eyes of the public, the fact that it's a casual dining restaurant sort of took away from the um, from the whole seafood th- theme? Uh, you know, people I think consider us in both in both categories, but we're really focusing on differentiating ourselves from casual dining. And, and building on where we have the greatest competitive advantage, which is in seafood. We have the by far the best supply chain in the world uh, where we're able to, we have buyers and inspectors active in 20 countries around the world working directly with suppliers, cutting out middlemen. That allows us to have full uh, transparency of where our seafood comes from, full traceability. And it also allows us to uh, buy more efficiently, both because of our volume and because we cut out middlemen. And ultimately, that lets us give a better value than others can for top quality seafood. So the, the idea that maybe Red Lobster is a second class citizen when it comes to, to eating seafood out, you think has, has sort of changed? That perception has changed? You know, guests, we're working to get better every year. Our, our, our brand promise is to give our guests what we call an ultimate seafood dining experience. And to make that a reality, we're constantly upgrading our standards. Uh, for example, in the last couple of years, we've invested in uh, pretty significantly increasing the size of our shrimp. We just invested $51 million to upgrade our kitchens and make sure we were using the very best type of cooking equipment for each of our uh, each of our key proteins like, you know, lobster, crab, and shrimp. Uh, We've just invested in launching a new menu that gives guests new ways to use the brand. And there have been many, many other investments to continue to upgrade the experience uh, and and get ahead of guest expectations. Yeah, you mentioned the new menu items. There's something called tasting plates, which sort of remind me of the tapas plates you get at a Spanish restaurant. Uh, What are those, and, and how are they different from an appetizer? 
Uh, we just did introduce a new menu section, as you said, called Tasting Plates. There are five really interesting plates. Uh, my, my personal favorite is the Dragon Broccoli, which is an Asian-inspired taste. And I, I know it, you wouldn't think it would taste good because it's got broccoli. It's, it's unbelievably... Uh, <laughs> You're disguising the broccoli. You're <laughs> tricking us. Yeah, yes, it, it's unbelievably delicious. Or the loaded chowder fries, if you want something that's... Wait a minute, uh, wait a minute. Loaded chowder fries. Explain that to me. Okay, so it's uh, French fries and clam strips with clam chowder on top of it. It's actually inspired by a Canadian dish called poutine, okay. which is very popular in Canada. It is unbelievably delicious. And uh, Yucatan shrimp is another is another amazing plate that's that's part of the the, the lineup. Uh, you know, it's it's two uh, j jumbo shrimp with uh, ch chili lime butter and caramelized pineapple uh, and some uh, a couple of pieces of, of toasted artisan bread so you can uh, uh, in, you know lap up all the all the juice sop up those juices uh, we're, yeah. we're recording this at lunchtime and you've really made me hungry now Kim <laughs> um, you know a lot of people are are sort of foregoing the casual sit-down restaurant for cheaper faster places and and how are you competing with that I'd imagine by some of the things you've been uh, ticking off here some of the changes at Red Lobster but how do you stay competitive in an environment like that well, I'd say two things. First of all, there's an awful lot of people who want a great dining experience, and we think well, there's an opportunity to continue growing our market share for those people. For example, we just introduced a, a, an upgraded surf and turf offering. We figured we had the best surf, we better have the best turf, so we just added filet mignon along with New York strip and sirloin, and, the, and it's all top grade. Um, but to your point, there are also people who are time constrained and, uh, and sometimes looking for something a little more quick and affordable. And for those folks, we, uh, we just introduced uh, globally inspired dishes that are both interesting, uh, but they're, they're you know, priced, priced affordably. Um, and uh, also, you just mentioned the tasting plates, again, for people who are looking for something you know, quick, affordable, but interesting and delicious, mm -hmm. uh, we're, we're, we're appealing to those needs. Now, you're also uh, appealing to the needs of, of those who need it, like yesterday, uh, by pouring resources into online ordering, and also you're looking at delivering. That, that, that's correct. Uh, we just introduced uh, online ordering nationally this month. Uh, and we've also just invested in upgrading all of our takeout packaging. We uh, are also testing delivery with uh, actually all of the major services in different regions of the country. So that's only in about 5% of the system uh, right now. The delivery is only 5%. But again, we're, we're studying which partners do the best job and we'll be expanding with, with whoever's the best. Meaning like a Grubhub or Amazon? We're testing both of those and a couple of others. Uh, and, and again, we're carefully assessing guest satisfaction. We want to make sure we give guests the ultimate seafood dining experience that we promise. Now, at the top of the podcast, you said you have near 100% brand name recognition. So what are your plans for expanding internationally? Uh, you know, we, th we think we have tremendous international opportunity. Uh, we're currently in 11 countries. A lot of people don't know that, but we're in 11 countries today and, uh, and uh, are, have, have, are actively exploring additional ones. Uh, but since we became an independent company, we've opened uh, 22 restaurants outside the continental United States. So that's in just the past four years? Uh, three and a half, Three and yes. a half, okay. That's quite an expansion rate. It, it is, and, and there's more to come. Uh, what I'm curious, what country outside of the U.S. you perform, you know, particularly well in? Um, well, 
we, you know, we, we perform probably best right now in, um, uh, in the Middle East and Mexico would be, would be the two best regions currently. Um, but it's, uh, it's interesting. We just opened in Puerto Rico, which is not a different country, but it is a, a territory of the United States. Just opened there last Tuesday. And my goodness, those are the longest lines I've ever seen in my life. Um, and the people are so excited to have us there. I would not be surprised if that winds up being our top performing international unit. But right now, mm. uh, it's, but prior to that, it was Dubai Mall in the United Arab Emirates. Oh, interesting. So talk to me more about Puerto Rico, because you're there at a time that where people are still recovering from the devastation of Hurricane Maria. There's still a, a good portion of the island without power. I'm curious, you say there were long lines. Were these long lines of locals, tourists, and where on the island is the restaurant? The restaurant is located in Plaza Las Americas, which actually is the largest mall and, and, and the best mall in Puerto Rico. Um, and uh, we saw both locals and tourists, but it was more locals. And it was fascinating how many of the locals were familiar with Red Lobster. I actually asked many of them where they had tried us, and, and many of them you know, would tell us about having gone to our restaurant in Times Square, New York, or mm -hmm. our restaurants in Florida. But the, uh, I mean, the people there were, were familiar with Red Lobster, very excited to have us in Puerto Rico. Many people were thanking us for coming there. It was, it was, it was amazing. But, but I got to tell you, I, I am so impressed with the Puerto Rican people and the resilience they have shown in the face of unbelievable disaster with Hurricanes Irma and Maria. Uh, and I'm proud of our opening team also, who on their own, uh, went and fed 500 people in one of the communities, uh, Louisa, that that uh, had still doesn't have power back, and so they were they were feeding people there, and that that was really moving. Uh, and you had had plans to open there for I would imagine a few years. We uh, 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 two years, yes, and uh, you know it took a while to get the best site. And actually, our opening was delayed by a month I, due I was to Hurricane Maria. Okay. And, uh, 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 you know, it was pr pretty interesting because the ports were largely closed. So some of the materials, you know, we had to get creative w with some of the things. But the restaurant looks absolutely great. And talk to me about the cost of seafood. It's not cheap for us consumers who want to make fish at home. It's usually a special sort of event to make seafood at home. So how do you get a handle on costs? Well, that's a good point. You know, there's an old saying that uh, good seafood isn't cheap and cheap seafood isn't good. And we clearly are, have made the strategic decision we're only going to sell good, great seafood. Um, the, the trick is doing it in the way that provides the best possible value. And so, we, you know, we've, uh, one of the things we pride ourselves in, and I, I really think it's, it's a huge competitive advantage, is our supply chain. Because of our scale, we're able to go straight to the source in, I mean, we have buyers and inspectors active in over 20 countries dealing directly with suppliers, uh, cutting out middlemen, and that lets us offer better value and have full traceability of where all of our seafood comes from. So earlier you talked about one of the changes at Red Lobster is revamping your kitchens. You poured over $50 million into this. What was wrong with the old kitchens? Uh, well, a lot of people thought they were fine, but we uh, knew there was an opportunity to get better. And so we uh, did research on the very best way to cook all of our key proteins. Lobster, crab, and shrimp are our best-selling items. And uh, we, we researched every option, uh, tested every option. And, you know, in the case of lobster and crab, we found the very best way to prepare them is actually in hot water, but at a very certain temperature 
with a very special type of equipment that protects the product while it's being cooked. And so we've installed those in all of our restaurants. We've been, uh, you know, for we've got saute stations now. We've got we actually one of the interesting things is is a new technology that lets us time every item on an order because mm-hmm. some of them take longer to cook than others. So we're now able to start every item so they all finish cooking at exactly oh, the same time so the food goes out fresher and hotter than ever. I want to get that mechanism or whatever you're doing it in my home. <laughs> I'm always cooking for at least five people and it's hard to get everything out at the same time um, and have it be hot. Now to celebrate the chain's golden anniversary, you're giving fans a chance to eat for free for one year yes. at Red Lobster. Tell us about that. Uh, that's true. Uh, it be celebrating our 50th anniversary uh, we are uh, giving away 50 golden gift cards that will let guests dine at Red Lobster for a year it's about a $2,000 value and the way guests can enter is by getting a photograph of a happy Red Lobster memory and posting it on uh, you know Facebook or or you know Instagram or Twitter with a ha- with hashtag RL golden sweepstakes and so we'll choose uh, the best pictures, and, and the, the 50 best will get a golden gift card and eat free at Red Lobster for a year. That sounds like fun. Of course, in the 70s when I was going, we didn't really take pictures of ourselves at Red Lobster, so I don't know if that takes me out of contention. But uh, <laughs> you, you can always make a memory tonight and post it. So. <laughs> there, spoken like the CEO of Red Lobster, Kim Lopdrup, thanks so much for stopping by and joining us on our podcast. Thank you, Alexis. And thank you all for listening to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts.